I want us to look at just two verses, verse 24 and 25 of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 33. And of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now, I promised you I'm only going to look at one word, and the one word that I'm looking at, uh, and, and I don't care to tell you, I've been pondering preaching on this for some time. And someone came up to me, uh, I don't know if it was last Sunday or last Wednesday, and they looked at me and they said, my preacher, I love your new shoes. I said, oh, thank you, they're not new, they're eight years old, uh, and uh, I just, uh, that's my obsession. I like to go to church and I like my shoes to shine. And uh, Lindsay Ward, bless her heart. Brent, you remember this well. Lindsay Ward, when she was no taller than this pulpit right here, she'd come up to me like all the other kids and uh, tell her not to join live stream on this, okay? She'd come up to me like all the other kids and, and she would get kind of stand off a little bit, wait on me to acknowledge her. And, uh, and I, I would finally acknowledge her and she said, you're my favorite preacher. And I said, well, thank you, Lindsay. And she, I, I said, why do you like me so well? And she'd always say the same thing, because you got shiny shoes. <laughs> so I still keep my shoes. If I come in, my shoes aren't shine, you probably know I've had a sick spell. But uh, the Bible says a lot about shoes. You know, shoes speak louder than what we think. Shoes tell us a lot about people. Uh, you know, shoes can speak of sorrow. A mother can take out baby shoes of a child that she's lost and look at that and bring back times of sorrow. Uh, you can look at particular shoes. Some of you that are now retired and you look at the old work boots and it brings great joy to your heart that you're no longer punching a clock and doing doing that anymore for a living. You're able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. But shoes say a lot about us. Shoes are important in life and shoes are important in the Bible. You'd be amazed how many times that shoes are mentioned in the word of God. Now the good news is I'm not gonna talk about all of them, but I wanna talk about a few of them that I hope will be a blessing to you on this Wednesday night. One thing we find about shoes in the Bible is shoes in the Bible speak about redemption. And when we think about redemption, probably the farthest thing from our mind is shoes. But yet if you go to the book of Ruth, and when you read in the book of Ruth, you'll find in Ruth chapter four and verse seven and eight, the Bible gives us some information about what the redemption process was. It says, now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to the neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. So really the shoe represented the fact that I plan to redeem this. And when we think about taking off the shoe, it was really the earnest to say, with my heart, I'm going to fulfill this and complete this redemption. 
Do you know you and I, we couldn't make it through this life without redemption. If it wasn't for the redemption of Jesus Christ and someone willing to redeem us and say even though that we're worthless, even though that we have no value in and of ourselves, the Lord saw something in us that he's saying this is, is what I'm going to pay for your redemption. Now it was more than a shoe. He laid down his life. But he pledged it as to say, you can count on my promise that I'm willing to redeem you. You've all heard the story time and time again about the little boy that, that had saved up his money and he saw this boat in the window of a, of a toy shop and he wanted to buy that boat. It took him weeks to save up enough money to buy that little boat. Finally, he bought it. And one day he had gone to the little lake in the park and there was a little stream that fed out of the lake and he was playing with the boat and his mother told him, said, you be careful or that boat will get out of arm's reach and you'll lose it. We can't get it. Well, it wasn't long until he disobeyed and sure enough, the waves come along and carried away the boat and the boy, the boy was just heartbroken that he had lost that boat. He loved that boat. He'd put his name on the bottom of that boat. He loved it more than anything. So he's now lost his boat. Weeks pass by and one day they're walking downtown. He's looking in the store windows and they come to a pawn shop. And there he sees inside that store his boat. He runs inside, he knows it's his boat. It's got his name on the bottom of it. He put it there. He went to the owner of the store and said, that boat is my boat. See, this is my name. It belongs to me. I lost that boat. I didn't mean to, but I lost that boat. And the store owner said, you don't understand, son. I bought that boat and that boat belongs to me now. And there's only one way you can get that boat back. You're going to have to pay the price for it. He said, well, how much? And they made an agreement on the price. And he set back the boat for the little boy and the boy worked and he did chores and saved up money. And one day he came in and counted out to the last penny, every penny that was needed to pay to buy his boat back. He finally gets the boat in his arms. He's walking out of the store and he says, little boat, little boat, you were mine and I lost you. He said, but now I've paid for you and you're mine again. Do you know something? The devil came along and stole us, stole mankind. The Lord made us and then he lost us to sin. But on Calvary, hallelujah, he redeemed us back to himself once again. The boat is a symbol of you and I just like that shoe said I'm willing to pay the price of redemption only Jesus could pay it he had what was needed to redeem you and me it speaks of redemption it also speaks of communication Mike Blanton and Evidence sings a song right now Moses take your shoes off it's an old song years ago uh, the, the individual that sang that and became popular all over the country. I used to do about five or six meetings a year with him and his group. And, and that song has always moved people. But it's not just taking shoes off, it's what that represents. Because shoes not only speak of redemption, it speaks of communication with God. When Moses came to that bush in Exodus 3, 5 that was burning, but it wasn't consumed by the fire, God told Moses, 
Moses to take his shoes off. He's on holy ground. He was speaking to Moses, communicating with Moses. You'll find in Joshua chapter five and verse 15, the captain of the Lord's host communicating to Joshua said, take the shoes from off thy feet for the ground that thou standing on is holy. So he's saying once again, I wanna talk to you. You're on holy ground. Take your shoe off. We find the same thing in Isaiah chapter 20 and verse two. The Bible says that the Lord commanded Isaiah to take his shoes off because he was going to talk to him. He's saying you're standing in a holy place and I don't want anything separating you from what I have made for you. So take your shoes off. Isn't it good to get in those special places that you know it's just a holy place and that God's presence is there. It's not so much physically that we have to take our shoes off. It is just the fact that symbolically we can say God is here and he hears our voice and he knows what we need and we're able to communicate with God. It's good to be able to talk to the Lord and the Lord talk to you. Communication. Joe Henry Hankins died many, many years ago. He was a great preacher. He'd pastored a great church, pastored in Little Rock, Arkansas for five years. And uh, it was amazing at the growth of the church, the numbers that were saved and what God did with his ministry. He finally left the pastorate and went into full-time evangelism where he served the Lord until he died. And he had a, a great heritage, a godly heritage. He had a mother that Joe Henry Hankins in, in the books that I've read that he has written and sermons that I've read that he had preached. He had great admiration for his mother because he was from a large family. Several of his brothers were preachers, but his mother had a means of communicating with God that he said you just felt like the Lord was standing right in front of her and she was talking to the Lord. And he said one thing about it, once God told her something, there was no need to talk to her about it anymore because if God said it, her mind was made up. It was going to happen because she believed what God told her and she'd started praying for her boys and the Lord told her those boys are gonna preach and she prayed for her boys, never said a word to them about it, never mentioned it to Joe Henry Hankins, never mentioned it to his other brothers, she just left it in God's hands. But she had a promise that she would live to get to see each one of her boys preach the gospel. Charles, her son, became very ill and she had this promise from God and they sent for the doctor. The doctors made house calls at that time. The doctor came and said, there's nothing we can do. Charles is near death. The doctor stayed for a little while and finally the doctor said, he's gone. There's nothing else we can do. He's, he's passed. He's gone on to be with the Lord. His mother ran everybody out of the room all night long. She had that boy covered up with a blanket. All night long she prayed and she kept praying to God. God, I don't understand. You promised me that my boys were gonna preach. Lord, I'm confused. I thought I knew your voice. And Lord, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm certain that you had told me my boys are gonna preach. Joe Henry Hankins said it about the breaking of dawn. Said suddenly, mom had let us come back into the room said suddenly the dawn light, daylight came 
came through the window and when the daylight came through the window and came down on Charles's dead body there, a corpse lying in the bed, his mother jumped up and started shouting, glory to God, hallelujah, reached over and grabbed the blanket and pulled it off and said, Charles, get up, you're gonna preach the gospel. And he said, my brother opened his eyes, sat up on the edge of the bed, mother fed him breakfast and he went on to be a great preacher of the gospel. They'd asked Joe Henry Hankins, they said, did your mother, did your mother raise the dead? He said, oh no, it's not that mom raised the dead, it's that God answered prayer and she knew the voice of God. Have you ever talked to God about something and know for sure that God had said it and way down inside of you, you had that assurance. I've just heard from heaven and it's all right. Communication. I'll guarantee you there's people here tonight in this service that love the Lord with all of your heart and you're doing everything God wants you to do but you need to hear from God about something. Communication. Hearing from the Lord. Shoes also speak of preservation. In our text, he said that their shoes should be of iron and brass. Iron speaks of durability, lasting. That's what God's saying. They'll be like iron shoes, they won't wear out. Wasn't that exactly what God had helped the children of Israel to do? They traveled through the wilderness. You read the Bible. When you read the Bible, the word of God, you'll find out that the shoes that they had, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, five, the children of Israel, their shoes never wore out. Now, we're not used to that. Everything we've got wears out. I mean, you can't change it. You buy a new car, it'll become an old car. You buy new tires, you'll wear them out and they'll become old tires. The shoes I have on, they'll become old. And eventually they'll get so, doesn't matter how much I try to shine them, they're worn out. But God says, I have something for you that doesn't wear out. <laughs> I don't know if, if that hit you just right. I have been saved all of these years and preaching the gospel for all of these years. And I wanna tell you something, it's just as sweet to me tonight as the very first time that I experienced the saving grace of God and the gospel being preached is just as real and precious to me tonight as the first time I ever preached the word of God. And what he's saying is, it doesn't get old, it just gets better, and it gets better, and it gets better. If you're looking for something that lasts, don't put it all in everything here. You put it in the Lord, and you bank it up in heaven, because it's not going to fade away. We serve a God that never gets old, and never gets tired, and never gets weak, and what he gives us never wears out. Our body may wear out, but deep inside of our soul, there is a precious salvation that it does doesn't get old, it gets more precious with the passing of time, it's durable. It will last. Iron speaks of durability, brass speaks of beauty. Not only 
does he give us something that lasts. He gives us something that's beautiful. Real beauty. The Bible says in the Song of Solomon, said how beautiful are the feet with shoes. He says in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I've got a pastor friend down in West Virginia that every time I go to preach for him, the first thing that old man does, bless his heart, he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. The first thing he does when I step inside of his church, and he's up in years, he bows down on his feet and he wipes my shoes and he holds them in his hands and says, thank you, Lord, for bringing the preacher with beautiful feet because he'll bring us the word of God tonight. He's done that for 20 years, 20 years. Now he's not doing that to lift me up. He's just saying it's beautiful because of the gospel that the preacher preaches. If it's not the gospel, it's not beautiful. But when you lift up Christ, people see you differently. He said, how beautiful, don't you think that it was beautiful, the preacher that brought you the message when you were so stooped in sin that you couldn't save yourself and you couldn't change your life and you couldn't quit your sinning and you couldn't do what's right and you tried to break habits and you tried to go in a different direction but then somebody brought you the message one day, there's a king in glory and his name is Jesus and he loves you and he'll save you and change your life and then you experience that wonderful salvation. Isn't that a beautiful preacher that would come and do something like that for you? It's the gospel. One other thing. Shoes speak of deception. If when you go home, you can read in Joshua chapter nine, I believe it's the fifth and the 13th verse that deals with the Gibeonites. You remember the story. The Gibeonites, they had come to Joshua and had come to the Israelites. But the Gibeonites had heard word how God was winning all these victories and battles for the Israelites. And they knew that if they would expose themselves for who they were and where they came from. See, they were right there in the territory where Israel was conquering city after city and tribe after tribe. And if they knew that the Gibeonites had just come a short distance, they were concerned, will the Israelites take us captive? Will they kill us? So they came up with a plan. They put on old garments and they got moldy bread, bread that was molded, and they put on shoes that were old and worn. And when they came before Joshua and he said, where do you come from? From which come there? They said, we have come from a far country. Now they were lying but they thought that was the only way to save their life. And they said, we've come from a far country. And when they did that in those two verses, Joshua looked at them. And when he looked at them, they had garments that looked like they had traveled through the wilderness. They had molded bread that if they were in the area, that wouldn't have been the case. They were traveling with that. And their shoes, their shoes were worn out. So he makes an agreement with them and he does something almost unbelievable. He blesses them. Now really, they're enemies to Israel. 
But because they have disguised themselves, he blesses them because their shoes spoke of deception. They deceived him. From that time forward, you'll find out the same ones that wore those shoes was one of the greatest downfalls to Israel. They fought more battles with them. They, they would get them in places of famine. They would rule. Uh, and the wickedness of King Saul came from that tribe. They reaped more heartache over that deception. Deception's a terrible thing. To be deceived is a terrible thing. Amos 2.6 says this, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. They valued human life to the place that a pair of shoes was worth more than a person. Deception. Now, I don't want to leave you on a down note. But the truth of the matter is, we are living in the most wicked age that has ever existed in the American culture. And the devil, before the Antichrist comes, he will have the ability to create delusion, which is deception. A lie that tends to to lead somebody to believe his deception. He'll show himself as light when really he's full of darkness. He'll show himself as good when he's full of evil. So it looks good, but really it's dangerous. It's deceiving. And you'll find out that if possible, he would even deceive the very elect. And that's talking about the end of time. Those that have made their calling, their election, sure, he'll try to deceive them. But the Lord said, you know better than that. You put on the full armor of God, the whole armor of God. And among the other pieces that I don't have time to go into, he says, you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. What he's saying is, you be like a soldier. The Roman soldiers that had their feet shod, that meant that they had put on their military shoes. Those shoes that they wore, it had two purposes. When they would, they would advance on an army, armies would take spears and bury them in the ground and, and stakes and sharpen the point of them and leave just enough sticking up out of the ground that when they would try to advance, on an army, then if they didn't have the proper shoes on, those would come up through their feet and disable them. If they came with just sandals, it would disable them and protect them. So it was the ancient landmine, if you will, that was a defense border. But if you had on the right shoes, you could step on it and keep going. Not only that, but the Roman shoes often had had spikes on it, like golfer's shoes or football cleats, and those spikes would allow them to grip 
when they come against force of an enemy. He's saying, you make sure you've got something on your feet that keeps you balanced in the middle of a wicked war and gives you stability to stand in this day and age. We are not left defenseless. Thank God we can put the gospel on our feet and tell the devil, come with all you want. You'll never defeat the gospel. The gospel is true. God's word is true. He'll try to deceive you, but he can't. Deception. He'll tell you when you are alone, nobody loves you, God's forsaken you. Deception. He is a liar. He'll tell you when you're sick, God's forsaken you. You can't believe him for healing. Deception. He is a liar. He'll tell you your loved ones will never be saved. They've gone too far. Their heart's too hard. They're too bound by their sin. Deception. Get some footing under you and say there's more power in the gospel than that. We can stand firm and stand strong, have our feet shod with the gospel saying we are not caught off guard. We knew this battle was coming, but we're going to have to stand as we've never stood before. You better make sure you've got the gospel shoes on. You're gonna need it. We have people here tonight that I know they're going to ask us, they've already asked us and they'll act through with that. During our invitation, they wanna pray for some loved ones. And when they got that news, and I'm with a lot of families that get that news regularly. And the devil would love to make you think, that's it. But you don't know. God has the final say. And then if you have stood and he chooses to take you on to heaven, there'll be no regrets. You can say, I stood I stood to the very end. No time to give up. No time to let up. No time to give in. It's time to stand.